want to thank you for allowing me to share the pulpit. Uh, Jesse, Steve, and the overhead guy, wherever he is, I don't know where he is. Uh, but thank you guys. I also want to thank one other person who made me feel very welcome. I'm working, so I'm trying to get my verses done. Uh, that would be Mike. Thank you. The purpose of tonight's message is to help us as believers recognize what the song just said, that we are not alone. Better. I've got people doing so. Is better? Okay. Um, to understand the difference between the message and the meaning. So let's bow our heads and pray, and then let's begin. Lord, you're a gracious God, and we thank you. We thank you for the fact that as the musicians came up and said, we are not alone, we're with you. So I pray you'd help us to understand this pericope, this segment of Scripture, and that you'd give us wisdom and understanding. And Lord, would you slap me upside the head if I make the very easy, very difficult but um, that you'd allow people here to understand uh, your text and what you mean. Now, there's a difference between... Amen. I'm sorry. <laughs> We've got to have the amen. So uh, There's a difference between the message and the meaning. A message will convey a thought. It'll convey a process, an idea. A message will give you a scope of work or endeavor, an excuse or data information. A message is designed to be universal. In today's culture, we have our uh, text messages, which these youngsters are way ahead of me when it comes to looking at a computer and telling me what it says. But they, they're reading the message. The problem with understanding the meaning is that there's an emotion to meaning, but there's also a purpose. And sometimes when these young people look at the screen, there's no way for them to get the emotion. Now, emojis notwithstanding, I understand that, but there's no way with just the words for someone to understand what's going on. And as we look at Scripture, we have to recognize that Scripture comes to us as a message, but it is also has a meaning. And the message that we have in Scripture is universal. Anybody can read it. Now, I'm going to drop a name, uh, Dr. Blomberg. For me, it's Dr. Blomberg. I don't think I could ever call him Craig. I just, just don't. But Dr. Blomberg and I had several interesting conversations in which I came from a different reference mark, the Jewish perspective, and he came from a different reference mark, whatever that is, and we would butt heads because what I was declaring was from what I understood. And what he was hearing was something he couldn't comprehend. Now he's probably way smarter than all of us put together, so that's not a a slam on him. The focus is that we were talking at two different levels. 
And when you recognize Scripture comes in this form, that there is a, a uh, meaning to the word, to the message. I wanted to pick a, a text where we could discuss it and look at it so that you could see the message and the meaning. Now, I could give you the Greek, and I've got the Greek in front of me, but I won't, I promise. Especially when the uh, lady who did all of the uh, announcements warned me not to. So, wherever she is, I'm behaving. Um, so, I chose John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, we all know that. So, that's why I chose it because it's very familiar to us and it has a, uh, it has a message that we can understand and that's how I became a believer by looking at the message now 42 years later I'm recognizing there's a whole different aspect to the meaning of this text that believers rarely get hold of and that's not because they uh, can't it's because they don't know so we're going to talk about John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And we're going to go and deal with the meaning of this message. Again, message is universal. Meaning is personal. Because in when you understand and deal with the meaning of a text, you're dealing with the emotions and the understanding of the message giver. When I became a believer, I took the message for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, from my perspective. And it made sense. But now, 42 years later, I want to give you the meaning of that message. In the Greek, the first word of a text is the most important word. Huh, Pavel. Huh, I didn't see you there. I'm sorry. This is a new experience for me. Um, where was I? Uh, thank you. The first word of a text in Greek is the most important word. And so when you look at that, you have to recognize why was it first? In this text, the word is autos, and it means so. So in... So in the Greek, in the Greek it would say so for uh, love the God. That's how it would be in the Greek. And the word so is adversarial, and that's what you have to understand. That the word so, being the first word, is the most important. It's a reference to the adversarial relationship between God and the other person that to be dealing with in this text. For God so loved the world. There was an adversarial relationship between God and the world. And because of that, God chose to do something. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him should not perish. But now I have to give you a foundation here because um, what I'm going to be telling you in a few minutes won't make sense unless you understand this. 
And that is there's one thing in Scripture and one thing we can see in Scripture that God will not do. Now, He's God. He can do anything He wants. But we look at Scripture and we find one thing that He does not do. Ever. And the one thing that God does not do is He does not violate the will of the individual in regards to choices. When you look at Adam and Eve, God presented His will to Adam. Lucifer presented His will. Adam chose poorly. And the consequence belonged to Adam. And that's why God does not violate the will of the individual. Because the choices you make are your responsibility. If God made a choice for you, then He would be responsible for that choice. But He's left that in your hands. It's your responsibility. So as we look at this text, and we recognize that in order for God to allow us to have our choice and to be responsible for our choice and having an adversarial relationship he had to provide something in which humanity could take advantage of and it would be their choice for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that's what he did then he said, okay, I'm not going to leave this alone. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to uh, step up to the plate. And you're going to have to deal with this situation. Because it has to be your choice. I cannot choose for you. Whoever believes in him should not perish. And it's that simple. Because of the Greek and the... And the perfects and everything else. You come to the understanding that belief was the issue. The adversarial relationship was surrounding belief. And it was the failure to believe that caused the problem. But God fixed that. He said, I'm going to provide my son and if you'll believe in him, you can get through all of this. Not that it would be easy, but that if you will believe in him, you will have eternal life. Now, in the Jewish construct, um, we say life and death and, okay, the point in the Jewish construct is that life represents relationship. So that if you believe in him, he will provide a relationship for you and with you. And that's why that song the musician sang is so important. We're not alone. We're not alone. And so when we look at all of the texts that we have in front of us, we recognize that because there was an adversarial relationship, and God fixed that, but He left the choice to you. He left you the ability to make a choice. Because each and every one of us will stand before Him. Each and every one of us will give an account. Each and every one of us will not be able to say, uh, he made me do it. Though I'm going to try. I don't know that it'll work, but, you know. It won't work. It just won't work. 
because he's given us the tools and the ability to believe. Now, I understand that there are times where belief is very difficult because of situations, because of um, circumstances. But that's why we have the Spirit of God. That's why we have the ability to go before God and ask Him, okay, what do you want me to do? If I have an adversarial relationship, or had, and we fixed it through belief in Jesus Christ, what's left? What do I have to do? I can't please you if I don't know what you want. And that's where the understanding of this message, of the message of the scripture, is important. Because the message is great. But you have to recognize <laughs> that he made a way, but he will not drag you through it. He wants you to make that choice. And one other thing that I want to point out is that in many places, we as believers, we pray and we say, Lord, make him, you know, I don't know, eat spaghetti and meatballs. Do you like spaghetti and meatballs? No. Okay. So my prayer for you is that you eat spaghetti and meatballs. And I'm going to ask God that he makes you eat spaghetti and meatballs. You see, that's patently unfair. One, he doesn't like spaghetti and meatballs. And two, I'm forcing my will. Now, you parents, you make them eat spaghetti and meatballs. That's your prerogative. But I cannot pray for somebody against his will. And that's where a lot of people, a lot of Christians fail and have problems in that they are praying for somebody to do something or to be something or to go somewhere. And you don't have any more right to, to uh, violate the will of an individual than God does. Though he's God and he can do what he wants. And so our prayers have to be understood in terms of, Lord, help the individual. Because you have, according to Ephesians 6, a shield and a sword. And there's more power here than, well, dare I say it, in the Marine Corps. Hoorah. There's more power here because we have a shield. And we can put <laughs> that shield in front of somebody who does not like spaghetti and meatballs. We can do this thing. But we can't ask God, make him eat spaghetti and meatball, Lord, because it's good for him. Do you understand? That when we look at the message that we're presenting to somebody else, we have to recognize that the meaning that we're trying to convey sometimes is clouded by our inaccuracies. And so the, the meaning of this text is that there was an adversarial relationship. God has fixed it, but it requires belief. You cannot please God without this belief. And for want of a better term, we have been redeemed. And the word redeemed means that we belonged, then we were sold, and then we were bought back. We've been redeemed. 
and as ambassadors for the Most High, we carry great importance, great weight, and great responsibility. So my, my hope for you is that when you read Scripture, that you recognize that you're reading the message, and the message is universal. What is the meaning for you? What is God telling you? That's why this book is so dynamic. That's why in 42 years I haven't even scratched the surface. And I speak Greek. And I am nowhere near understanding this text because it's dynamic. And he's willing to give me the meaning of his message. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who cares for each of us. And like the musician said, we're not alone. But it's belief that powers your word, that powers your ministry, that powers your desires for us. I pray, Father, that despite the problems, you still love the world. And despite the adversary relationship, you presented us with a solution that requires the overcoming of the, of the adversary relationship, which was belief. So I pray for everyone here that they would not only believe what you have said, for you love the world so much that you gave your only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not <laughs> perish, but have a relationship with you, that we would use our shields and our swords to help further your desires in this world. And I especially pay for this congregation. Lord, they have a very difficult ministry. They're on the fringe of the fringe, and like Steve said, of the fringe. But it's such an important work, Father. Give them the strength, the wisdom, the courage, and your love (laughs) to go ahead and serve you in whatever capacity and wherever you want them to serve. And we would thank you in your son's precious name. Amen.